0: for today is how are you all doing we know that in a world full of uncertainty and change whether it's COVID-19 Black Lives Matter or even prepping to come back in the fall it is really important that you take care of yourself and we take care of each other so today we're talking to one of our great movers and shakers about the way he helps members of our community care for themselves and others and inspires our PT students to do so at the same time our guest today is Dr. Brett McLennan from the Department of Physical Therapy. He will be talking about his work with the university's medical bus, his pro bono services, and helping facilitate health literacy around the community. Hello, I'm Lacey Ritter, Recruitment and Project Development Coordinator an Assistant Professor in the Sociology Department.
1: And I'm Kathy Wright. I direct the CCG and I'm also an Associate Professor in the Religion Department. And this is Against the Grain.
0: Today's episode focuses on one of our Wingate movers and shakers. Learning how various movers and shakers around Wingate University are working to improve the lives of our students, faculty, staff, and community. Today, our guest speaker is Brett McClennan. We are so excited to discuss all the amazing work he is doing to help Eastern Union County residents care for themselves and others. But before we get to the hard stuff, let's start with some fun facts to help our listeners get to know you better.
1: All right, so I get to ask the first question. So my question is, what is your favorite
2: genre of music? I would say my favorite genre is probably Motown. I like to mm-hmm. dance. Motown talks about love, you know, heartbreak, all the good, all the good and bad stuff. But I like to get down and boogie. So Jackson Five, all that stuff. I love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you know, we're gonna stop the podcast right now and add a little Motown, <laughs> but not
0: too much, or we'll have to pay for it. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yes, that we'll try true. and find
1: some free Motown. Yes.
0: There we go. Alright, next question, if you were quarantined for at least two weeks with three different celebrities and or famous people, and you can choose anyone dead or alive, who would you choose and why?
2: Alright, so, so this one I had to give some thought to, so I would say, <laughs> you know, I like to surround myself with people that motivate me and have done great things, but also over, overcome a lot, so I'm a, originally from Massachusetts, born and raised there, so I love the New England Patriots, so I would have to say Tom Brady. And the reason being is he's the greatest of all time, <laughs> and, but he's overcome a lot. So he was, those uh, that aren't sports fan. he was drafted 199th, meaning they thought there was 198 people better than him that year. And the first thing he said to the owner of the Patriots was, I'm the best decision you ever made. And he proved them right. Along with that, I would pick, um, this is a motivational speaker that I follow a lot and I listen to a lot on YouTube, is uh, Les Brown. So Les Brown, he has a lot of great motivational quotes. He is a professional motivational speaker, but he was told when he was in school that he was mentally challenged and he overcame that label and is one of the like leading motivational speakers in the country. And he has a great quote that, don't let others' opinions of you become your reality. And I think he kind of personified that. And then I would pick probably Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh,
1: yes! (laughs) Yes. Oh, sorry. 5% support. I mean,
2: yes. Because, one, he's hilarious, but he is extremely motivated, and I don't think a lot of people realize he has a production company called Seven Bucks Production because he was down to his only $7 to his name before he decided to become a pro wrestler because he wanted to be a pro football player went to Canadian League, was making two... Woo, Canada! Yeah, and then got cut by them. <laughs> oh,
1: Canada! Oh, Canada!
2: <laughs> and he, he actually has talked about a lot that he's battled through years of depression and overcame that, and, you know, I just, like I said, I like to surround myself by people that are have overcome a lot, but then just push themselves to do more even when they've accomplished a lot, and I think all three do that.
1: I think you would have a fun two weeks if you yeah. had to be quarantined. It was between
2: know. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and I feel like Bill Belichick would be a lot meaner to me. So I Yeah, Tom yeah.
1: Bray. Yeah, you can't go with someone yeah. mean. That would be terrible. If my
2: wife was in there, it wouldn't have been Tom Brady though. He's too good-looking for her to be oh, for two oh. weeks. <laughs> I was going to
1: say, The Rock is way too good-looking. I
0: know. I was like, I
1: would also side with The Rock. But. Oh, I would definitely.
2: See, this
1: is our second podcast, and honestly, I definitely enjoy... Hearing all the different perspectives, but yeah, I would. Those are interesting choices. But your number three, absolutely, definitely. <laughs> um, so now that we've kind of eased you into the against the grain, uh, let's get down to business. <laughs> so first, tell us a little bit uh, about your time here at Winget. Mm-hmm. When did you become a bulldog, and what has your experience been so far? So we'd love to know if you have any best memories or if you want to share any of your mulligans
2: yeah. well I became a bulldog a little over three years ago so June 1st 2017 was my first my first day here joining the physical therapy department I've loved my time here you know I, I joke with my boss about this and she she never finds it as funny as I do but when I came to interview for this job, I fully intended not to take it. I was only coming down for the experience of interviewing for a faculty position. And then I got here and I just kind of fell in love with the atmosphere, the students, the students kind of blew me away. And then I remember getting calling my wife from the airport and saying, uh, we need to have a really serious talk. And then we flew down the week after and I kind of showed her the area to make sure she signed off and kind of the <laughs> rest is history. But, you know, I've been surrounded by great people, people that have pushed me to do more than I thought I could do, so I, I've enjoyed it, and I fully believe I'm where I need to be, and when I get in the classroom, like I've said to my, my supervisor, you know, that's where I know I'm supposed to be. As far as great ex, two great experiences I can kind of think of off the top of my head are this past year with our graduating class of 2019, I was... I received the Student Impact Award, which is Oh, congratulations.
1: Wait, I'm going to have to find some music for for (laughs) clapping. Absolutely.
2: Which is...
0: We'll put in uh, the wrestling (laughs) for you. Oh, (laughs)
1: yes. We will definitely. We will find the rock to celebrate. There you go.
2: But that was a big honor for me, mainly because it's an award that's solely voted by the students of who they thought out of faculty had the biggest impact. And that was the first group of students that I got to work with all three years, so to be voted get that award for the first group that I worked with all three years was really humbling but very rewarding and then my, my other favorite time was this past Halloween one of the first year students came as me
0: to Halloween no way yeah
2: he has a nice big that beard that is a
0: goal of mine yes. I'm so jealous <laughs> he
2: it was he was scary how spot on he was he gave he opened my eyes to tendencies that I do that I didn't even realize I did and he had, like, all my mannerisms down. He he has a beard like me. and he even sprinkled in some white hairs because I have white hairs and he's young. You have highlights. Yeah, exactly. Highlights. <laughs> but it, it was scary how good he was. And so that, that was hilarious to me.
1: Oh, you are a Halloween costume. Yeah. I, I have not met anyone that's a Halloween costume, so...
2: That's a first for me. Is that, this is great. As far as mulligans go, I wouldn't say I have any mulligans. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that I learn from my mistakes. So, you know, there, I'm sure as any faculty member, I've had, you know, things that I was like, man, I'm, these students are going to love this idea, love this approach. And then you get in there, it falls flat. But those are ones, and education-wise, as a physical therapist, treating-wise, the times I've learned the most or the things that I remember and stick in my brain the most is when, like, I screwed up and those things just stick with me and so i I wouldn't say i'd redo any of it
1: well that's good i i saw a valedictorian express or or kind of convocation speech by denzel washington he said the exact same thing Mm -hmm. he said if you want to end up like me you need to fail yeah and fail big you know i I
2: have a saying i tell the students you gotta fail forward so it's okay to fail as long as you move forward from failing so fail forward
0: Your work in our PT department seems to indicate that you embrace an empowerment model for healthcare and active learning in the physical therapy instruction. So it seems to resonate with the vision, mission, and the way CCG does what it does. Is that right? And can you give us an example of how what you believe about healthcare and teaching manifests in your classes?
2: Sure. And absolutely, I agree with that. Um, I'm a big proponent of you know, improving the health knowledge of patients and obviously students. So I really try to emphasize that to my students is that, and it was from a research article that I always probably misquote, but the general gist is there is that how can you expect a patient to be part of the solution if you never educate them on what the problem was? So I really try to get that across to our students that it's not enough and it's not good enough anymore to be like, do this because I'm the professional and I told you to do it. You need to educate the patient on what's going on, how they can be part of the solution, because research is showing that if you just give advice, majority of the time, patients are just gonna ignore your advice. You gotta make sure that they're part of that, that conversation of, okay, why aren't you doing the exercises I gave you? What can I do to make you more successful? And what we call that in the PT world is a therapeutic alliance. So it's building that trust with a patient that, hey, you're being heard, I recognize that you maybe have these obstacles to doing the exercises. Let's come up with a solution together. And research-wise, it's been shown that that patient-centered kind of collaboration, whether you do the right thing treatment-wise, patients tend to say they feel better regardless cuz they were they have that therapeutic alliance. So I always tell students, combine that with doing the right thing, that now you're cooking with gas. You know, you're building a therapeutic alliance and you're basically doing the right treatment and students probably don't realize it, but I incorporate the skills for building that therapeutic alliance into the classroom. So the way I do that is if they have a question and I don't have the answer, I'm going to find it for them and get back to them. Or if I tell them I'm going to do something, I'm going to basically follow through on that. And that's what a therapeutic alliance is, is kind of following through for your patients, building that trust. So they don't, may not realize it, but the three years they're here, I'm demonstrating this is what a therapeutic alliance is, but just on the educational side. And then I just kind of push them to do the same when they get out in the clinic and also when they're working in the classroom with one another to follow through on what they say they're going to do and make sure that they're you know accountable to their patients and classmates.
1: Oh, yeah. And that's a reciprocity as I'm listening to you. Therapeutic alliance involving the patient. The patient has agency in their own... Healing, and that's kind of a reciprocity that allows you know your students to learn more about the process and and kind of gain that. So I, I love how the therapeutic alliance aligns. There we go <laughs> uh, with the the idea of a participatory process that is the heart, kind of the beating heart of the CCG. So uh, I always like to have allies in different schools. Absolutely, so.
2: and I always tell them, you know, and it's I say as a joke, but it's true. I'm in the business of putting myself out of business. My The thing that tells me I failed is when the patient comes back three months later with the same exact injury. That tells me I didn't give them the tools to basically continue on and continue to get better or maintain. Mm -hmm. So I I like to put myself out of business every day.
1: (laughs) So do we at the CCD. We just haven't quite done it yet. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. so one of the things I want to ask you is Mm -hmm. about uh, an overview kind of of your involvement with the health bus Mm -hmm. I don't think everybody on our campus knows about our health and wellness van that's sponsored by Blue Cross and Blue Shield yeah Um, but you've been a big part and lots of the health schools have been a big part of the success of our health and wellness van can you tell us a little bit more about that Um, and maybe where maybe where you want to see it going in the future
2: absolutely so I, I I was brought on as a group member to the health and wellness van, and I thought it was a great opportunity, kind of like Kathy was just saying. It's really all the different um, health professions, but not even just the health professions across campus, kind of coming together to figure out, you know, there's a need out in the community wherever you live, and and we're no different here, and we're trying to figure out, okay, where can we bring this bus, which is kind of a traveling billboard, but also we do screenings on there but where can we go in the community to show people like hey this is how you can get better in this area and unfortunately with the covid we haven't had as many events as we had hoped but our kickoff event was in january with the mental mental well-being and really it was the whole community of wingate university going there different departments coming up with their different roles of how can we educate the the greater community on these are ways you can combat against mental uh, poor mental well-being, but also hey, it's okay to recognize that you're struggling. But here are some resources to help you kind of get through this. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, what I love about the the health and wellness bus is it's all about showing the fellow community like you're not alone, because that that's a tough thing to struggle with is when you have you know in this instance mental health issues to feel like hey, I'm the only one struggling with this, and that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I love about it is really it's a great way to get the students involved. So that was something that I know we really focus on was, you know, it's not just me that's like rah-rah, okay, come volunteer. I'm going to plan everything for you. It's really I just bring back the students, here's our plan to do this for the in the next month. I want you guys to meet with the other health departments or health um, students and figure out, This is what we think we want to do. What are you guys doing? How can we play off each other and not overlap? And that just builds that idea in their mind that, hey, we don't work in silos. We work as a unit to make sure the community in this instance gets better or when they get out in their field, that patient gets better. And that's something that we're big on is that interprofessionalism. And we even made it kind of a requirement at the end for like a 10-minute debrief with all the students to kind of go through, hey this is what I encountered. What did you encounter? So they get that collaboration. And that's the part that at least the students from the physical therapy side, you know, that kind of took that leadership role. It's been awesome just to see them take that on. They're coming to me with ideas and be like, hey, did you guys think about doing this? Or can we do, we saw that the, there was a clothing drive there. Can we do one in our building? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So just seeing them get excited about it. And then, you know, moving forward, Hopefully, this COVID starts to die down. We can start getting back out there because we had a lot of great ideas for heart health, nutrition, you know, oral, oral care. So a lot of great ideas that kind of just had to be put on hold because it wouldn't really be a great wellness bus if we (laughs) got everybody sick. Yeah, got everybody sick. So (laughs) I think that that was that's where I see is just we had a lot of great ideas that aren't aren't gone. They just are on hold, and I just want to see them get get rejuvenated because I know the students are chomping at the bit.
1: Oh yeah. And <laughs> there's innovative ways to be able to do it safely. And, and that's where we, if we can't do it this way, what are other ways of doing it? And that's the critical thinking process. And one of the things I loved working with the, the health bus was those ideas just kind of percolated through our schools. And what I heard a few times is in PT or OT or pharmacy or PA, like there's so much to do. It's often thought as a luxury to do a social event with another school, or there's never enough time uh, to do it. However, this was part and parcel of their work within PT, OT, pharmacy, PA, and and nursing as well, but also with psych and social and religion students, and they came along and offered their talents. So it was like a combined effort. Um, and you kind of learn from each other and we also had the the stomp team and we oh, had yeah, co-curricular course, right? and we had <laughs> yoga and, and So it was really neat you put the the idea out there and people come so one of the things is is they're looking at doing remote shopping days in parking lots so is there a way that we could do some health care as well because as students think about going back to school there's a lot of healthcare needs and mental health needs and oral care needs. And so how do we serve and yet do it really safely? That's, we'll need all your critical thinking skills. <laughs> um, wing it bulldogs. Absolutely. Um, but I think Lacey has another question for you. All right.
0: Absolutely. So in addition, because you're not busy enough saving the world with our health bus, uh, you also do pro bono work with refugees in Charlotte. How mm-hmm. did this get started and what's that experience been like for
2: you? So that is with a group called Project 658 who has been around since 2013 and they do amazing things. Their big thing is hope. Like that's their, I mean, they have more slogans, but hope is kind of something you see posted all around there. And really they focus on those, they call it at-risk refugees, immigrants in the Charlotte area, but they do after-school programs. They do, you know, kind of help people find jobs, so it's not just the health area but they also have the medical side where they offer free medical visits and really how I got involved was July of would have been I guess 2018, one of the other professors in the physical therapy department kinda linked up with them and unfortunately she got she went once and provided pro bono physical therapy services but then she Uh, moved on to a different job and she just kind of came to me because now i kind of have the reputation of being the community service guy which i love (laughs) and she's like hey i am I started this it's only a month old but i'm leaving i was like there's no way we're letting this kind of go by the wayside so then i kind of took on that role but again what i love about is the students getting involved so i'll just send out an email we go um, once every other month and we're trying to increase that because You know, the tough part is, is you only see them every two months. You know, Mm -hmm. are we providing the most optimal care? Are we just putting band-aids on things? Mm -hmm. But, you know, reaching out to the students, they kind of take the, I basically just go there and supervise and kind of direct students like, hey, this person's here to see you guys. And then I, and I'm there to kind of counsel on the clinical reasoning side, but they just kind of take the lead. And, you know, the feedback, the best feedback I get is that the same students always keep coming back and other ones come come and join in because they hear about it, but it's not like they come and they're like, wow, this was a terrible experience. I'm never doing this again. <laughs> uh, we want to avoid that. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So I see the same students, and then they kind of rope in some other ones, so that's the best feedback I can get, but they, you know, it just kind of opens their eyes to, hey, not everyone has the same resources that we've been privy, they may have been privy to, and, you know, majority of them don't speak English, so we've had patients that we've had to use Google Translate because they spoke Burmese and Burmese only. We've, I was able to recruit some of our Spanish interpreting undergrad students to come in because a lot of them speak Spanish, but again, you could have a Burmese patient and it's okay, how do we figure out how to communicate with this patient and make sure we do do right by them and don't kind of give them haphazard care just because they have a language barrier. And that kind of opens their eyes to, okay, I have to think more than just, what do I want to do PT-wise, but how can I communicate this and make it impactful, and then the socioeconomic factors that they have to kind of overcome and figure out how to help that patient overcome, because, you know, you may realize they're having low back pain because of their occupation, but you can't really tell them, you, you know, I want you to take two, off, two weeks off from work, because they might be the only person in their family working, mm-hmm. so it's really kind of opening their eyes and letting them realize, hey, there's you have a gift, you got to be able, to, you got to give it back to the community. And to see them kind of take that on is really awesome.
1: And I, and I really love how you have a holistic approach to this alliance, this therapy alliance. I'm, I'm going to come, keep coming back to that because it's given me a lot to think about. <laughs> um, but the holistic vision of the person, you're not treating an injury in just anyone. It's a subject with a story with, social economic with barriers with you know there's so many different uh nuances to who they are as a complex being and you're opening your eyes to um your pt students to this wonder of this complex being absolutely and how do you bring them into alliance so that they can help and empower themselves to health and one of the ways you do that is with our local librarians. And I know uh, I did not realize I would be saying, you know, healthcare and local librarians, I love them both. Um, But in the same sentence. So tell us a little bit about this literacy and how you can treat the whole person and that allowed you to build new relationships with our librarians. Yep,
2: so this past, it must have been, yeah, it was in February. I, well, the project started way before February, culminating in February, was I had been thinking about, okay, how can we help improve the health literacy in the surrounding areas? Because I had gone to a grant writing course, and they said, you know, every state has this health, I think it was called health care assessment guide, or something, basically like a survey they send out to each county to figure out, you know, what are your health outcomes? And I realized, I think Anson County, out of 100 counties in North Carolina, ranked 94th, and 100 is the worst. So I was like... That And Union County is fourth, so I was like, they're not that far away from each other, why is there this big discrepancy? And so I started reading more about it, and a lot of it has to do with health literacy. So health literacy is basically your ability to hear health information, understand it, and then be able to apply it to yourself and make a sound decision. And what they have found in research is that only about 12% of the adult population in the United States have proficient health literacy which is scary because people are getting facts from their doctors, their pharmacists, from physical therapists. and we're From just, their phone. Yeah, from their phone, <laughs> yep. And we just assume as healthcare professionals, like, oh, they get it. And a lot of times they say, yeah, I get it, and they, they walk out and they don't really get it. They don't understand, how does this impact me? So then they maybe don't go to their preventative health screens or they don't take their medication as prescribed because they don't understand the impact. So I thought... I was trying to think, how can I have a, the biggest impact? And I thought to myself, I was like, I could go to libraries and do like an in-service like once a month. And maybe I'm going to impact 15 or 20 people, if I'm lucky, who decide to attend. And what impact am I really having? It's going to be very small. So then I started thinking, like, how can I recruit someone in the community that's going to be there every day and help these people find reliable health information? And I th- my, my mother is a retired librarian. I thought of her always talking about, you know, people come in and ask me all these different questions and like, I have no idea like where to find these answers or I don't feel comfortable giving them. So I was like, oh, the kind of light bulb scenario went off. I was like, what if I go in and I help either freshen up these librarians if they already have the knowledge or give them the knowledge of, hey, here's a website that's you know, research backed, easy to navigate, but you can go and type in, you know, let's say diabetes, and it'll give you reliable health information. So that way they can help guide a visitor to the library to reliable health information. And then the more I investigated it, you know, it just made more and more sense because libraries are free. People feel safe to go to libraries. And research shows that they do go there to find health information. Yep. So one, th- it's basically my... When I, in February, what I did was Union County, all their libraries have a staff development day and I was able to get myself to- Invited. Invited to there and present on staff development day. And I basically just kind of gave you the spiel, gave them the spiel I just did. And then I told them, I was like, you guys have more power and more impact than I ever could. You're gonna be here every day. You can, you know, be that resource for people coming into the library more so than I can coming in once a month. And like I said to them, my hope is that that kind of sparks the fire in them to share that knowledge with their friends, with their family, with visitors to the library who then pass it on to their, and create like this awesome snowball effect of just health literacy or where to go to find reliable health information kind of passing through the community. And mm-hmm. we're, we're we're researching it because you know, we gotta do our research, so... Before and after the presentation, I did a survey basically saying how confident are you finding your own health information, how confident are you finding a visitor's health information. And then the website, I kind of pitched to them and I told them, you don't have to use this one. This is just one that's been shown to be easy to navigate and is government backed and is reliable, is Medline Plus. So it was like, how confident are you using that? And before and after, their confidence statistically significantly went up. Oh,
0: good. So
2: now it's been four or five months later I'm sending out the same survey to see like did it last yeah you know the the have you used it yeah exactly that's the tough part is because of the whole COVID thing like they kind of had to shut down so I want to my goal is when they kind of get back up and running it's also to see if they would be willing to put out signs basically saying like have a health in in English and Spanish have a health related question come ask your librarian Mm because the other thing is I don't think most visitors to the library know like Hey, that librarian could point me in the right direction. They just think they're there to check out books or something like that. It's true. I'm gonna see if they'll be willing to post these signs, just kind of advertising, like, hey, we got this skill, come ask us.
1: That'll be great. We love our librarians. Oh, we do. (laughs) We do. Lacey, I think you have another question.
0: Yep, absolutely. So you have mentioned briefly in regards to all the things you've talked about so far. Um, where things are going from here on out. But what's kind of your trajectory for work this coming year? And especially uh, dealing with COVID, like you said, before that might look a little different, but what are your ideal goals?
2: So personal goal is I hope to be accepted into an online PhD program. So I'm submitting my application hopefully by the end of August because one thing I, you know, as a faculty member, we get, you know, evaluated on teaching, service, scholarship, and... Not that I'm terrible at scholarship, but it is my weakest point. And, like, kind of circling back to my three people that I would I was going to say, the rock with. would be very proud of you. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I look for my weakness and try to make them a strength. And what I find with the research projects I have done is when I'm done with them, I'm always like, I feel like I could have done more if I just knew more and, like, how to set them up better. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a personal goal of mine, to be accepted in there and start make, turning that kind of weakness into a strength. And then, you know, my hope is that you know as this COVID kind of starts to hopefully clear up a little bit you know I just can't wait to get the students back on campus full-time and also we're we do a lot of um, pro bono clinical services on campus that have kind of had to be put on hold You know, we've offered possible telehealth with those individuals but most of them you know don't have the resources to be able to do it so We've called them and kind of checked in, like, hey, you doing okay, you need anything from us, but it's just not the same as having them in person and seeing the students interact with them and learn from them and learn with them. So that that's kind of my exciting, I want to get back to that and make it, continue to make it better than it was the year before. Mm-hmm.
1: That's fabulous. And would you have any advice for any uh, people who are interested in serving in the health science field? Um, and a PT, you can put in a big shout out for PT if you like.
2: So I would say, and this is something that, so I did an orthopedic residency after physical therapy, which isn't required, but, you know, it was something I wanted to do to, again, kind of improve on an area that I wanted to get better in. And that was a really hard year. And I had this saying that I posted on my desk wall that was, know your why. And I say that to students all the time, is whether you're getting in a health field or anything, you got to know your why. And health field, it can be as small as know your why. Of why am I doing this intervention? Why is it important for this patient? But even bigger is know your why, why you want to be a physical therapist, why you want to be a nurse. Because if you don't know your why and you're just doing it because it was just a major that you decided to pick or it was what someone else thought you should do and you don't really know your why, you're going to burn out. Because burnout happens in every field, healthcare, no difference. So the biggest thing is you know, know your why and then we even created the slogan for our first year students and made bands for them that say remember your why so know your why and then remember your why because it's going to get tough if you don't ha- know your why and then reflect back on like this is why I was excited to be a- to get into PT school or why I was excited to be a PT you're only going to find the negative in those situations and you're going to burn out so that's my biggest thing is know your why why you want to get into that profession and then don't forget your why. And it, it may change as you go on, and that's, that's normal. That's growing up. But as long as you keep that in the back of your head, this is why, why I'm passionate about this or, and reflect on it regularly. I think you'll do just fine.
0: Brett, we just want to thank you so much for coming in and talking with us today sharing about all these absolutely amazing things that you're doing um not only just for our students but for our surrounding community it's really great for us to be able to showcase faculty and staff like you who are going above and beyond uh in all these aspects so thank you for coming in
2: oh my pleasure thank you for having me that was
1: me. awesome i love talking about empowerment models i love talking about failing getting up failing getting up and i love the the insight of know your why you're a teleological thinker. This is my ethics coming through. (laughs) Know your purpose, your why, Mm -hmm. and then you can transform your situation. So I I love it. So thank you again for coming in.
2: My pleasure.
0: And for all of our listeners, make sure you stay tuned for some more exciting against the grain episodes, where we focus on sowing the seeds of change in Eastern union County. Bye. Bye.